following announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast. We're in volume number three. We're going to call this mini-issue number one. Labor Day weekend. I am DM Vince. I'm sitting alongside with some special guests this week. I have DM Glenn from Thacko's Hammer. Hi there from the (laughs) D-List. And special guest Eric Tanker from Tavern Radio. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing good. Hey, folks. In case you're interested, Tavern Radio, tavernradio.com. Eric, why don't you tell us quickly about your show in case everybody's oblivious about your show? Uh, Tavern Radio is myself and uh, my favorite Scotsman, Jason Paul McCartan, uh, basically talking about the OSR from our, our perspective and as wide a uh, berth as we can uh, find. Uh, listen, uh, I'll tell you right now, we've been inspired by this whole series of podcasts that you've been producing, so uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm glad we've inspired more people to join in on the podcasting fun. The more podcasts, the better. Why aren't, why aren't we producing this? Because uh, it's an independent project. Oh. And I have a Mad Scotsman behind it, so I <laughs> have my own Mad Scotsman producing. Exactly. Well, okay. We can only advise. We can't force our, uh, our, our audio company on them, uh, Glenn, so... <laughs> <laughs> Why roll twenty did that to us? <laughs> yeah. Well, we we you know Wild Games Productions like the Borg. We just simulate simulate podcasts, so we'll just we'll eventually get Eric on our side. Don't worry. Well, I, I see it as a very large expanded family, and I feel I'm part of that family. Aww. Wild Games Productions is just an illusion. Yeah, <laughs> it's just an illusion. Yes. Anyway, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some topics that have been talked about recently. We probably talked about it in the past. Many people have probably blogged about it. I know Eric recently blogged about it. I'm talking about convention play versus organized play versus home play versus oh. G plus Skype play and what to expect before you go to those games. Each Everybody has a different opinion of what you should be expecting when you run to a game. So uh, I've been to conventions. Eric's been to a couple conventions. So has Glenn. Uh, Too many conventions to to speak of. Yeah. So we're going to start with some convention play talk. Uh, What do you expect going to a convention or heading to a convention when you go to a game such as playing first edition or any of your games such as Heroes or Marvel? What do you, Glenn, when you went to your first convention way back when you were age, and uh, what was that? You said it was Dragon Con, right? Uh, no, that was Dundracon. Oh, Dundracon. Sorry about that. Dundracon. And uh, you were going for your first game ever. What did you expect going into that game? Um, not to be assaulted? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had really no expectations. I mean, I expected to be... Sit- See, first of all, I didn't know anything about like time limits on convention games. Right. So I expect to sit there for like two hours and make a character. <laughs> and then play. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know anything about pre-gens or anything like that, and so they started like, okay, here we get, what we got? And I said, oh, oh, okay. So what do I do? Well, I'll just fill in these two things and put a name on it and go. I said, oh, okay. And I thought, wow, what a brilliant idea. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? But, um, God, I can't remember my last convention game. My my first convention game. Um, so basically, you expected to walk in there, and it was kind of like a regular home game, right? I expected to be like a mini version of my regular group. Yeah, just with fresh oh, faces with and stuff. Yeah, it was with strangers yeah. sitting at a table. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I got my head where it ain't supposed to be, so <laughs> I didn't know. 
Right, Eric, your first convention you said was about 20 years ago. Was it Gen Con? Oh, oh actually, no. Gen Con was my last convention until North Texas. My first convention was, I think, 1985 at Columbia University. Okay. And, yeah. And that's also where I was lucky enough to pick up uh, some uh, RuneQuest 2E stuff. But uh, it was my first convention, and much like Glenn, I didn't know about pre-gens except for having seen them in the back of, I think, uh, G1 through 3, and went, so this is what playing a pre-generated character means. And I got thrown a druid. I never played a druid. And uh, I, I took my time to actually read up on some of the spells, and I actually wound up destroying the adventure for the person who was running it, because uh, apparently rock to mud is very dangerous when you cast it at 14th level. In a dungeon. <laughs> yep. Very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a very different experience from playing at your home game, even though I went with two players from my, my high school group. Hmm. Because you are playing with strangers that don't necessarily know your mannerisms, your sense of humor, the, the, the kidding around and camaraderie that happens at your normal table. It, there's a, a different... It's a different atmosphere. It's a, it's a different way of, of playing. So you have to go in by changing the, your point of view as you're going. And also you have to remember in convention play, survival is not really the be-all and end-all. When you're playing at home, you want to go on to your next session. There's only one session, maybe two if it's a tournament. So whether you live or, or, or die, it's, it's, it's a game of risk-taking compared to home play. Right. When I went to my first convention, other than... Well, I, I've been... Uh, when I went to my first Mepicon convention... <laughs> In a log cabin a long time ago. <laughs> yes, uh, back in 2000, whatever. And, uh, yeah, which Eric is now going to be going to. <laughs> I plan on going there uh, in November with my wife. So, And maybe the dog, since the hotel is pet-friendly. We'll see. Yeah, you can actually bring your dog right into the convention hall and have your dog sit next to you while you play a game. That is awesome. Yeah, we had a couple people do that, I remember. Uh, I went to the first convention game not knowing what to expect, and... Uh, I had a great time playing first edition with a, a gentleman named Dan who runs all the games. And I did expect to see people with different mannerisms, like you said, uh, people that I've never seen before. And also ha have to expect they're not going to play by the rules that I'm used to. They're not going to play by the rules I like. There's always going to be these rules that people are going to use that, you know, you're not going to like. So it's just a convention game. Just go there. Have fun. That's all I have to say about that. Though I did have a bad experience when I went to my first Gen Con. Uh, my first, well, it wasn't really bad. It was a little more uncomfortable than anything else. In Gen Con 2010, I went, I played uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer role-playing game. Not going to ask. <laughs> and uh, I got to the table, and I, I got this character that uh, the GM, or the, uh, the director, I should say, made up for the game. And he's, we're going on the table, and then my character happens to be a gay vampire. So, which, I don't have a problem with anything like that, but the probably problem was that one of the people at the table was very openly gay about it and got offended by every comment possible was about uh. homosexuality and everything. So I was very, very, very uncomfortable playing that character. And I told the GM that, you know, this wasn't really cool. And he's like, what? I just rolled it up randomly. I said, well, you have to take into consideration these things. And when I introduced my character, that, that gentleman that was uh, gay gave me this dirty, evil look like I did it on purpose. So... It was a very unpleasant game, I can tell you that. Were you handed that character, or did you pick it? He handed it to me. He just basically put the... Okay. He put, you know how you fan characters out on a table and say, everyone just grab yeah. one? It was kind of like that. 
Oh, okay. Like, pick a card. And Yeah, it was kind of like he had eight players, eight characters. We all picked one, and it was just kind of like, you know, too bad, whatever you got. Luck of the draw, yeah. Hmm. I get you. Kind of, kind of like that 5e game I'm playing now. Uh <laughs> So that's you have to when you go to conventions you have to expect that you're gonna be stuck with something or you're gonna be done or people are gonna act like a jerk. Well, you you know what's so funny about that is it doesn't phase me now. No, you know no. I will just go and walk up to the table and say just hand me some, just hand me, I'll play it, I can play it, just give it to me. Conventions are also a good chance or a good opportunity to play something new, like like Glenn saying yep. just play whatever. Right. Yes. So yes, you, if you've never played, for example, or Druid, you have a perfect opportunity to just, hey, what the heck is the matter? You're only playing in a convention game. If you yeah. die, you die. Right. Now, next... uh, Go ahead, Jen. No, I was going to say another thing I found out when my first convention game. I remember it was a Champions game. Right. Um, <clears throat> don't leave in the middle of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what happened? Uh, we got through one battle and... I didn't realize that there was more. And I said, okay, well, i got to go to another game or something, or dinner or so, some tri- something trivial. And she just gave me the dirtiest look. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was like, God, what do I do? And I'm walking away. That's also another thing about convention play. What do you guys, we'll start with Eric for this one, the etiquette mm-hmm. for, example, you're playing in a game and you either have to leave in the middle of the game or you feel uncomfortable or you just the game just kind of sucks, you got to leave. What would be proper etiquette in that game, Eric? What would you think? You know, that's a tough one because it was, it was hard enough in like Matt Finch's game to get up to run off and use the bathroom because you feel like, I'm, I hope I don't stop play when I do this. Um, I don't know. It would have to be really close to me considering it's, uh, that me staying at the table is a total waste of time for me to do that. Because a lot of times these, uh, these sessions, these games are balanced for five players, six players. And when people start dropping out, you, you are ruining the fun for everybody else. Even if it isn't fully clicking for you, I don't know if I could walk away. It's almost easier not to show up in the first place. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, it's yeah. a tough one. Well, I usually, I usually, if if you know, you know, um, tell them beforehand. You know, right. I, I try as much as I can. I said, look, I got it's I, at about five o'clock. My my wife wants to go to dinner, so or something like that. Yeah, but that also kind of ruins the mood doing that too. If you tell them like, oh, I have a game, but I'm leaving halfway through because my wife wants to have dinner. People give you that, yeah, okay, look. Yeah, well, that's where you find out who are the single gamers and who aren't. Yeah, <laughs> you, have, you have to be like me. Bring your wife with you. That's and, and going back to the previous thing of, you know, using uh, convention play to play something different. My wife had only played one session of Tunnels and Trolls with me before North Texas RPG Con, which is why the first game that I scheduled us for was Time Master, figuring nobody but perhaps the guy running it. Uh, and myself, who had bought it back in the day, is probably going to know anything about the system. Everybody's going to be on an even keel. No. So that was good to introduce her to role-playing in a group session as opposed to, uh, you know, it's just one-on-one, and it worked out very well. I had a copy of Time Master one time. That was like the first pay-setter game I ever bought. Yep. Then I, then I ruined it by buying Sandman. Oh, uh, where you can win that $10,000 prize? Uh well, I wasn't looking for the prize. I was just looking for a good game to play, and I'm going, what the hell is this? 
Yeah, that that was something that I think you had to be a little intox or a little high to fully enjoy. But I didn't yeah. say that. Guys, you're just a starting out company. This is no time to experiment. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I personally feel if the game is not going really well or it's not fun, ditching it, it happens. Why not? It's a convention. You leave, you leave. Yeah, yeah but usually you try to be, if you can, try and be polite about it. Yeah, you'd be polite about it. I mean, you don't just get up, walk up, tear the character sheet in half, and run out. I mean, that's, no, that, that would be interesting, though. It might be a good sight to see, but yeah. I've seen people take a break, you know, and then the two guys, you know, I've heard about, like, the two guys look at each other and go, we're going to take a break? Yeah, okay. And then just grab all their stuff and leave. Yeah, done yeah, that. Right. I've seen people do that. I've also done it myself by saying, I need to go to the bathroom, grab all my stuff, and just leave. <laughs> Yeah. So basically, convention players kind of like going out on a blind date. You know, that's right? a good that's a good analogy. Yeah, because you don't really know what you're going to be stepping into for the most part. I mean, maybe you, you might, if you're looking at who's running the game, you might know who the GM is, and maybe if you schedule it with other people that you know, you might know one or two players at the table. But otherwise, it's, it is like a blind date, and you're going to, you know, role playing is an, uh, an intimate process because you are spending three, four, or five hours. Uh, role-playing characters and personalities and bouncing off people that you really don't know. You're right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then there, things can happen and, you know, it's right. always fun. So you, so you have to be ready to have, you know, your car has to be close so you can drive off if necessary when you go use the bathroom. True. Now, what do you think about those players at conventions that, like, purposely ruin the adventure because, you know, hey, they're bored, this is a game, they figure they got to kill time, well, I figure I figure they should not walk in the alley behind the convention center at night. Then, very true. <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. It's like I get you in a dark corner. You, you're gonna uh, ruin my game, will you? So let's shift things a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about um, about home play versus the convention play. So at home play. Uh, it's obviously going to be somebody's house or possibly uh, a store you're going to. Like, I go to the Reaper store every other week and play in the game. Glenn, you go to your friend's house, and uh, he runs a... Yeah, uh, match every other Saturday. Yeah, you go play your... Uh, you play 5th edition right now, right? Yeah. 5th edition with the smattering of uh, Mutant Future that I run. Nice. Cool. And, uh, Eric, you have a gaming group, uh, I would assume, near you somewhere. Uh, actually, my gaming is all on uh, Google Plus Roll Twenty these days. That's another believe thing, or not. No, we'll talk not. about in a few minutes. Uh, but about home play. So what? It's kind of a touchy subject as far as new people coming to your home or something. How? So, Glenn, in your group with with Matt, you said your DM, right? Right. If you yeah. if you had a new player coming to you, what's Matt's kind of guidelines for having someone new that's to the group to come in? Well, I can only go from my experience when I first came in. Basically, okay. I was talking to him on Dragon's Foot, and he told me I didn't know where he was. He said Oklahoma City, and you know, da da da. And I said, Well, why are my feet under your table? And then he just like emailed me, <laughs> saying, uh, Well, we have a player who isn't showing up and want to play his character. I said, Sure. And I went to the session, I played the character, and he said, okay, next uh, two weeks from now on Saturday, be here. What? You're in the group. I am? Okay. And that was it. You know, basically, I think he gives him a one, kind of a one-game tryout. 
Mm. Um, that kind of thing. Um, Matt, hmm, he, you gotta, you, I'm not going to say he's not selective, but as far as being a, D, a GM, a DM in your own house, yeah, let, you gotta kind let's, of be. Able. Let's turn it around. Well, let's say it's Glenn, it's your house. You have okay. you have four of your friends that normally come over every week, and you're very friendly with them. You know them as far as you know from Sam or Adam, whatever they call it. Right. And all of a sudden, you get a message from John Smith on Dragon's Foot or OSR Gaming. Hey, Glenn, I heard you're in Oklahoma, blah, blah blah. And you find out this guy lives about twenty miles from here, and he wants to come play in your gaming group. What guidelines would you set for bringing this gentleman in? Um, well, I'll t- I'd tell him the date and time. I'd also tell everybody else, say, hey, I got a new guy coming in. We're going to try him out. You know, um, I pretty much can tell from by the end of the first session whether they're going to work out or not. Um, so we're pretty much know, everybody's I- in the same boat. Why do you guys, and I'm going to throw this one over to Eric. Eric, why do you think gamers are so accepting of strangers that are gamers and allowing them into their house? Uh I think a lot of times because gamers growing up might have felt that they were outside of the uh, general uh, school society. You know, if you were uh, growing up in the you know, late 80s, you know, in high school, and uh, I don't know. If you were a gamer, you felt drawn to other gamers. If you didn't know them from a hole in the wall because you had something in common, which other people didn't understand. So I think you were more accepting. Now, that being said, you know, f- for me... You know, even my old gaming group, once that initial group was established, we added players by somebody basically vouching for them. You know, you vetted somebody. Oh, they're a friend of yours. You know them. You can speak for them. Or, all right. The one time we took somebody off of a, a card hanging up at the complete strategist in uh, Manhattan, it was uh, Gamer Hell. That lasted two sessions. We had to, dis- we had to dis- uh, disband the group and reform it oh, wow. just to keep him out. That was bad. That was, I think we were all like, well, that's in the sophomore in high in uh, college. That was bad. See, that's another thing about like having people over to your house. I've learned that from experience. Uh, it's nice to game in a neutral area, like a game store or something, at first to try them out. But when you've got a regular game, say at your house or a buddy's house, you just can't go. Okay, everybody, go down to Game HQ this week because we got a new guy. You can't do right. that. No. So. You know, you got to be really, really careful then. You can, to a certain point. I used to do that. Uh, well, I should say my friend did it when we. Were, I was back in Pennsylvania. We used to do that. We would game at his house, and then we would move to a gaming store when there's a new person and play there for a little while. Uh, I've been uh-huh. doing that now here at Reaper. Uh, we go play some games there, and if people work out there, then we usually say, "Hey, why don't we move this to like a house or something like that." I'm I'm very leery about letting new people into my house that I've never met before, and uh, I'm I'm sure you can agree with that, Eric. To be leery of new people being a police officer yourself. So. Oh yeah, well, as an as an adult now, yeah, uh, yeah, nobody would be coming into my house unless, like I said, myself or a good friend in the group was was saying, yeah, listen, I know this guy. I've known him for five years. He's not a psycho. He's uh, not going to pee in your sink. He's not going to do any of the strange stuff, you know, things like that. I wish I, I wish I could teach my regular players that. No, uh. <laughs> the one time I remember we brought uh, someone new into the group from outside, and I just kind of met him online. Uh, he was pretty cool online. We got him to the group. He played the session. He came for a second session, and then my buddy said after the second session, "Like, dude, we need to get rid of this guy. He's really annoying." Yeah. So I had to get rid of this guy. <laughs> 
because they were too scared to do it. So I have uh, I have a player like that in our group right now. I mean, we don't have to get rid of. I mean, he's a really really good player, and Matt likes him in there, but he kind of annoys me. Just you. Uh, and so it's just I figure, well, okay, it's just me, so I'm just going to let it slide. Um, what does he do that's annoying, I, though? What? What does he do that's annoying? Oh, just, you know, he's very... Vocal? Does he role-play too much? Yeah. Is he just too much snarky? or? He's kind of just very vocal. I really don't want to get into it too much. Okay. Uh, on, on air, anyway, so <laughs> I'll tell you about it after the show. But... <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Fair enough. Hey. Fair enough. I, I never know when Matt or somebody's going to throw up and say, hey, I listened to your RFI. It's like, oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, the whole group uh, listens, and they know you hate this one person now, right? Yeah, well, I don't hate Later, later. Um, <laughs> but was, I've had people over at the house to play before where, like, somebody, either I think or Becky will turn to me and say, don't have this guy over here again. Yeah. And, you know... It's just like, you know, one guy online you think is cool or somebody you know, at a game store is cool and stuff like that. You know, you bring him to your house or someplace to play, and it just goes south from there with him. You know, it just, you know, the whole thing, you find out he's a jerk or, a you know, a real big dick or something like that. And, you know, it's, it's really, you, judging people is, I think, part of the curriculum of gaming. <laughs> Yeah. So um, let's talk about also etiquette for leaving home games. If you're not enjoying yourself or uh, you're having a bad time, because I've seen people who at home play who are not having a good time that just kind of do that whole, I go off in a different direction type thing. I'm going to screw with your adventure oh, type thing, which is that, definitely that's annoying. That's yeah. weasel play. I, I hate that. Absolutely hate that. If you're not enjoying it, I'm not going to object if you want to leave. So, Glenn, if you wanted to leave a game that, say, for example, you were over John's house and you didn't like the way John was running the game, what would you do if you were just like an hour or two into the game? Well, that's why I like having a cell phone. Hello? Oh, shit. Becky wants me home. Sorry. Uh, um, I've also had people. I've also had people pick up the books and storm out too. So, really, okay. they stormed out. Yeah, but that was like a long time ago with some very immature people in a Champions game. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's 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 just you gotta you know you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, and then, I would however you, however you can do it, but try and do it nicely. The way I've done it before, if I wasn't enjoying myself, is I would actually go through the game, not interrupt anyone's gameplay, play like I would normally play, end of the session talk to the uh, person on the side and be like, listen, uh, this isn't for me. Sorry about it. I'm just not going to come back. And generally the people... That works. Like, yeah, generally the GM's been like, oh, cool. Sorry about that. I apologize. You didn't have a good time. Good luck, dude. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't ruin the game for everybody. So I think that's the proper thing. I'll throw it. And then, then if you, and then there's where you're the one who's... The game leaves you, basically. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, this game isn't for you. Get out. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've ha- I I played a Mask Mask of the Red Death yeah game at uh, Game HQ one time, and I was having a ball. I was playing a uh, Peter O'Toole type character. Ah, okay. You love playing uh, those apparently characters. Apparently, nobody appreciate nobody. Well, this sounds egotistical, but nobody appreciated my role playing. 
Um, so basically, they said they were going to do it again. You know, they said, okay, next week. And like, I never got a call. They never showed up again. Aww. You know, no word, no nothing. I was like, okay, it'll be that way. I'll just find another game. What about you, Eric, and, and your opinion of that? What's that? Uh, I was talking to Eric. I said his opinion about leaving a home game. You know, you know, it's not easy because when you leave, you're hurting. People take gaming very personal. Yeah. Especially the person that's, that's running the game. So when you say, great, listen, uh, it's not for me. I'm not a good fit for it. A lot of times it's being interpreted like they didn't run a good game. Somehow they failed. But you're right. If it's not working for you, that's the best way to do it. That's the mature way to do it. Regretfully, as we know, our hobby has a share of people who don't have the maturity level to be able to say it that way. Yeah. You know, and that's you know neither here nor there. But that is part of the problem. Okay, so yeah. let's let's touch upon uh, moving along here. Let's touch upon G plus or, or Hangouts, the G plus Hangouts and uh, Skype play. Now that's a. Uh, kind of in a mix between a convention play and a home play because you have you're able to obviously hide behind the keyboard if you don't use video which a lot of people don't right and you have the whole thing of this complete stranger that's thousands of miles away from me so it's kind of one of those things that you can show up to the game and then if you don't like you just bail and never talk to the people again so which happens quite a bit i mean that happened to at least one person in my uh, Book of Sorrows game that I ran a couple years ago. Really? I brought in a player, he came in for two or three sessions, and then boom, he was completely gone. Wow. Like, his name was erased, from his Skype name was erased and everything. I was like, damn. Wow. All right. That, ooh. Yeah. So, Speaking of, you, that, that's incredible. <laughs> now, Eric, you constantly play I'm on... I'm totally getting off the internet because of this game. Yeah. Eric, you play on G Plus Hangouts a lot for your game, so what have uh, you seen yeah. and what, what can you tell us? Uh, well, my Saturday group has been together for, I guess, about three years now. Wow. Uh, the core part, we've added, deleted, you know, people have come and gone. Uh, what I've noticed is that initially, when we first, the group started up, it was a lot like uh, a convention type of group. You didn't always know who was showing up. You didn't feel obligated to show up because you didn't have an obligation to other people in the group because you didn't really know them. But as the uh, the group went on, at this point, we're, we're having trouble sometimes even getting the game started. We'll spend an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half basically BSing before the game starts. And I, and I mentioned to them, I go, now we know that we've, we've transitioned from you know a, a, what was initially a pickup group to a, a home group. Yeah. My, my, it might be over... You know, G plus hangouts, and we're using Roll Twenty. But if we can spend that much time talking about what went on in people's lives, what's going on in gaming, uh, what's going on at home, is that your kid in the background, what's up with the dog? That is the same type of stuff that historically went on with my old gaming group throughout high school and college until we broke up. Ah. So there's, there's a there's a big uh, intersection between the two. But at the same time, I have players that I game with that also do flail snails. Which is basically OSR pickup games where it doesn't matter what system the player is coming with that character sheet. You can be coming with a character that's you know written for Labyrinth Lord, you're gonna play in Osric or you're gonna play in DCC, the DM just kinda 
you have to have get faith in him. I've never done a flail snails session myself. I've heard a lot about him. You have to have faith in the GM that he can interface all that stuff, and your character can then be using some other GM's game, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. It, it it's a combination of organized play, convention play, home play, but it takes, I'm assuming, a very strong GM to, you know, keep those sessions going. So it's like an RPGA event type thing. Yeah, but you yeah, and you and your character can go from, you know, literally every GM I guess has their own, you know, home setting. So you're going from this DM setting to, you know, maybe two days later you're in uh, a session that Zach Smith is running, and then uh, Joe D is running something else, and the same character is going from, you know, system so to system. Ju- he, he could jump from uh, genre to genre, too. Genre to genre, but it's all OSR. So, remember, so far, OSR so is 90, 95% compatible across the board anyway, at the minimum. So. Yeah. yeah but, what if you're, but what if you were like, well, what if Flail Snails, I know is OSR, but if somebody was like, had a, say, a basic D&D character, and they... They wanted to get into a Flail Snails Traveler Fine. game. Uh, I don't know if there's a Flail Snails Traveler game, but I'm sure I'm just saying, if there's I'm an interest to, in it, there could be one. I, I just picked that out because it was like almost a 180 from you know, D&D. Right, but, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm sure if you were doing uh, Stars Without Number or Other Dust, which are uh, OSR-based, I'm sure the transition would probably be minimal, and you could probably do that pretty easily. True. I guess that's True. also another topic to talk about. Uh, a lot of us are adults here, and we're not going to be cheaters, but you know, there's always going to be that one person out there that's like, oh, yeah, in this session I got a plus seven sword or something well, like that. Well, that's the great thing about social media. You find out, you know, these, the, the character sheets say what campaign this stuff came from. You can just email or G-plus message somebody and say, did so-and-so get the plus five sword of awesomeness in your game? <laughs> Yeah, you know, which you couldn't do back in the, in in the 80s. We we going to call somebody up on the phone and verify somebody's character? We never let anybody's character from another campaign come into our games because you couldn't verify anything back then if you wanted to. Now again, but we're adults, so we're not going to be looking at you know the cheating aspect. But I, you know what, you have to still look at it. When I even when I play in my face to face games. I've noticed I've caught a few players changing things. Like first of all, I had a player that kept changing his alignment, and he kept adding. Nice. Yeah, every once in a while, he added a plus one to one of his stats or something, randomly. Like like one week he had a sixteen, and all of a sudden, like three weeks later, he had a seventeen. I'm like, wait a minute, you had a sixteen? And he's like, no. So then I just I started like, if I didn't know the people, I started copying down stuff from that point forward. I, I just couldn't, I think I said next time you change your character sheet, I'm throwing you through the window out the store. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, that's my New York attitude. So <laughs> I could tell. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't I don't deal with the, these people that try to cheat. I mean, it's like you're cheating yourself, and you're cheating the game. You're cheating everybody around you, and that's not fair to everybody else. If you want to cheat, go play your own game and erase things and change things that you want. True. True. Yeah. Like perfect you know, example, when I was in Connecticut, we had uh, a game session, and my buddy and I were doing a co-DM thing. Like, I DM'd one week, he DM'd. It was the same campaign, same characters. We just rotated my character and his character in and out. So we gave a bunch of weapons and uh, magical items away one week, and we're like, okay, so next week when we gather up, we'll identify them. So it happened to be, since Connecticut, it snows a lot <laughs> in the winter, we, yep. didn't play, we didn't play for three weeks. 
but they managed to get to the gaming store to play. So what did they do? They took the same characters and identified all those things and gave their characters all these awesome things like the wondrous tomes and things like that. Yeah. So we had to go and do a whole cleanup of characters. <laughs> literally, like, killing characters off because they ruined everything. You know, this is this is harking back to the uh, people who leave games uh, subject. But I just recalled a... Uh, I was playing in a 3-5 game here in the Forgotten Realms, and this one guy came over. He was a he was a uh, handicapped guy. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend brought him over. He he had a wheelchair and everything, and okay. he spent most of his time playing um, Rune. Uh, what's the, not World of Warcraft? What was the one before that? EverQuest. Yeah, he spent all his time playing EverQuest. Okay. And he had never really played D&D, and she got him into playing D&D because she played D&D, but she couldn't play because she had to go to work. So he spent 99% of his time talking about his EverQuest character. Uh, so, uh, you know, what they had, what they could do with, when he was, you know, doing the game. And so next session just rolls around. Well, where's uh, Barney or whatever the hell his name was? Oh, he can't come today. Okay, fine. Next session. Well, where's Barney? Well, he's not here anymore. Why? He can't leave playing EverQuest to come and play D&D. Well, that's why they called EverQuest Evercrack at one point. I know, but it's that's like, true. that's... I mean, I know he's handicapped himself, but that's a, that's sad. That yeah. is really sad. <laughs> Sometimes you get obsessed you, with those online games because it's just, you know, you keep wanting more and more and more. And, you know. Yeah. yeah it's, you're always reaching for that next cookie, that next little... Uh, Ding. Well, I, yeah, I recently had two players that came in from WoW to play first edition for the first time a couple yeah. weeks ago. And when we were doing combat, I had to explain things to them. And they just weren't getting it, so I knew they were WoW players. So I kind of explained it in WoW terms, and then they wound up clicking with the entire game. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. I played a basic game for my grandson when he was still playing D&D and his friend. And his friend wanted this elf that did all those fantastical things. I couldn't understand if he was a WoW player or just watched a lot of anime. But I kept... I've never said no so many times in my life. Mm. What's an example of what he wanted? (laughs) This black blade that sprouts these other blades and gives it a da-da-da-da-da and he can chop people's heads off and stuff. And I said, that's not going to happen with your elf in this game, partner. That's a kid with an imagination. Yeah, and he was like, like nine or ten. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know what it is? It's probably that Pokemon that he watches. Probably, or some <laughs> kind of other anime. I don't know. Anyway, he probably watches Gundam or something. Anyway, um, where Gundam, were we? Gundam, Gundam, yeah. Well, I'm um, glad he didn't ask for a giant robot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I guess the last thing we could talk about here is organized play. And uh, I haven't done too much organized play. Uh, what about uh, you, Glenn? Have you done any organized play? Organized play as in... League play. Oh, you mean like RPGA type thing? Yeah, RPG. I, yeah, I, I started, well, I did not started here, but um, when I first moved to Oklahoma, I played two Champions games, and that was it for like years, a couple of years. And this was during 3.5, and I couldn't get a game anywhere unless I joined the RPGA because they played like once a month down at the game store. And I got the impression that uh, from from the other 
players and from just in general, the gaming populace in general, if it ain't D20, it ain't crap. So that I spent like, oh, six months a year playing uh, Living Living City. <laughs> I thought the yeah, attitude we... was, if it isn't D20, it is crap. That's what the attitude people used to give me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't give as much heat to D20 as other people do because I appreciate what it did. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, and I kept going, doesn't anybody play Champions? Doesn't anybody play this? Doesn't anybody play that? Nobody would do it. I even got into, the first time I got into Mutants and Masterminds, because it was based on D20. I was pulling all these other genre games out going, hey, it's D20. You want to play? No. You know, here, Call of Cthulhu, D20, let's play. No. <laughs> and uh, so I, I pretty much, I, I, had, uh, I had a good time until they, like, changed the whole RPGA thing into something I didn't want to play. I mean, I had a character up to 8th level, and I had all these bennies, and then they started that, uh, whatever the hell they started with, with 3-5, where they were, like, ramping up to 4. And it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I actually found another game. One of my friends, Mike, who was an RP, who ran the RPGA, was having his own home game, so we played 3-5 over there. This is the man who works at a game store, who does not like the OSR? Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, he said he, he's, well, he doesn't like, he didn't like fourth edition either. He was like a. Well, apparently, Glenn just fell off the stage with his microphone, so. <laughs> <laughs> he just yanked, yanked the things out of my ears. And, no, he was a, he turned into a staunch path, Pathfinder player. Ah, okay. He went to the Pathfinder Society stuff, okay. Yeah, because he's like, you know, three five, three five, three five. And I said, Well you can take your three five and put it where the sun don't shine. So you know, <laughs> you know, I I've always contended that the D twenty system works best for everything except D and D. Well. It, you know, D twenty modern, other games where you can tweak it, it works better, I think. Well, you know, in a lot of ways the OSR is D twenty tweaked. Yeah. It's just yeah. reverse engineering. So you're right, in a way. Really? Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go in the closet and kill myself now. Okay. Hey. Uh, <laughs> no. Eric, what about you with organized play? Um, you know, back in the, when I was a, an RPGA member, I always had the idea of getting into one of those games. Never actually did. Uh, although... With the Pathfinder stuff, I did a lot of, do I want to get involved in, this is before I got back fully into the OSR and found a gaming group, Pathfinder was probably going to be the way for me to game if I was going to find a local group or at least one in the game store, because that was what was you know, hopping out here. And my problem with uh, organized play is that there, the continuity from one adventure to the other, really, it's, it's, it's not a campaign. It's, it's more like... Uh, uh, network TV, where each episode is separate from the other, has to be wrapped oh, up in a certain amount of time. You know, so not really something that I would enjoy playing. See, I like episodic stuff. Oh, I don't mind episodic stuff. I just like, you know, if I did episodic in a home campaign, though, I have the option of sandboxing it a bit and letting it take its own way. But when you're talking organized play... It has each adventure has a beginning and an end because everybody yeah. every, everybody in different groups across the world who's playing that adventure has to 
come out the same the same way if they succeed. And right. and if it's a series of adventures, everyone's going to end at the same spot and pick up at the next spot because if you're changing, especially players are going to be changing groups, they have to have that continuity. Yeah, yeah, it has, has to have a story arc. Yeah, you know. So even if your home game has rails, you can always build a sandbox around it with organized play. Those rails are integral to organized play. You can't really have organized play without it because you don't have that continuity between groups. I, th- I think of this as an, it's, it's an outgrowth of, of tournaments. Yeah. tournaments pretty much are the same way. Only it's one time, one shot at one convention. Right. You don't have a, a character that continuously improves, assuming they live. Right. You know, I could, ne- I've never, see, I've never played tournament play. I, I don't, it always seemed like tournaments took over like the majority of your convention time. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I did that at my one time at Gen Con. I, I made it through three rounds. I think I got a $10 gift certificate to the mail order a hobby shop, which I never used because I <laughs> lost it until the, the mail order hobby shop was, like, you know, gone. Then I found it and I went, oh, well, here's my certificate. Yay. <laughs> Let me cat. Oh, never mind. I can't. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Oh, hey, well. I found- hey, I got one of those old TSR... Uh- uh, postcards from one of the old books. Can I still send it in and get a subscription? Yeah. Oh, yeah, to the Forgotten Realms uh, mailer that they were going to do that had one issue that was included, I think, in the Forgotten Realms book, and that's that right. was it. That was That's right. I remember that. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it never happened. I sent my thing in. I never got anything for it. <sighs> that's because they dropped I it. I still got Bob Bledsaw's address, so I can get, like, a Judges Guild Journal subscription. So. Woo! <laughs> oh, a prices. Awesome! I, I, you know what? I should stop buying my stuff on eBay. I got, yeah. you know, a couple of the Wilderland stuff uh, last week on eBay. Decent prices. I'm not complaining, but mm-hmm. uh, I wish I had gotten them back in the day. I mean, you know, Vince, I, you, were the, you know, the Computerists in Manhattan used to have a whole section of that stuff when I was, you know, growing up in the late '80s and early '90s in college, and I always thought that stuff was garbage. It looked uh, like newsprint, and now yeah, here I am as I an see. adult going, oh, what the. Did I do? You, have, you haven't heard my standard story about how I started my Judges Guild collection, have you? No. Um, <laughs> Long Beach, California, has a game store called The Warhouse. Old, old-fashioned game store. Great. The one where you come in and you get that. It's got that smell. It's got miniatures lined the, lining the walls. Right. And the tracks, and tables in the back with, with uh, you know, stuff on it and, you know, all these terrain and everything. But... Anyway, I went in the back one time. This is when I moved back to live with my mother for a while. And uh, I went in the back, and they had this old wooden rack with piles and piles and piles of the Judges Guild stuff on it. This was 98. Okay. And I went to the counter, and I said, well, what's with all the stuff? Well, we used to be a Grenadier store, and uh, that was just all the stuff we had left over. And I said, well... uh, what are you selling for these for? He says, well, whatever's on the cover, half. Half? Yeah, three armfuls later, I started my Judges Guild collection. <laughs> wow, that's the way to go, man. Oh, man. I mean, there was, like, all these supplements, all these Pegasus magazines. I mean, anything that said D&D and Judges Guild, I grabbed. Wow. And I must have, I think I paid 15 bucks total the whole thing it was like, oh my god i mean and even then and this was like during three five and even then i looked at it and i go 
you know, this is old stuff, but it's new again. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, no, there's a lot of players out there who's never run through this stuff. And then I started, that's when I started collecting like the old TSR stuff and everything like that. And, you know, now I got this bookshelf full of old games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my Judges Guild story. I think every podcast I've been on, I've told that story. So, <laughs> as well, you should. Which is why I, I ended up being the Judges Guild expert on Save or Die. <laughs> Okay, you got the most stuff. You're the judges go extra. I've I've only read like five of them. Well. <laughs> I figure you know I'm I, I've got still got some years in me. I can I can sit out and read it in my old age. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Anyway, where were we? Oh, uh, organized play. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's going to pretty much wrap things up this week for this mini episode for everybody on Labor Day weekend. So, so they'll have something for their listening pleasure next week when they head back into the grind on Tuesday, unless they went to work on Monday on Labor Day. Which uh, what are these podcast junkies? Yeah, podcast junkies. Oh, okay. Somebody okay. has to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, people download. I mean, a lot of people, most people, we found listening a their car, b at work, or c at home on their computer. So. Uh, I I am a at work, I and you know some at work, a lot of it on my commute in the car. Oh my god! Thank God there's a lot of OSR podcasts from you guys. It keeps me going. Oh, there's also D people go jogging and listen to our show too. Wait, wait, they can't be real gamers if they're jogging. (laughs) You tell them that. Uh, Listen, one one of the guys in, in my Saturday group. He actually bikes like 50, 60 miles a Saturday, oh. and, then, and then he games. So I really, there are some gamers. I, who used, to, I used to be, a, I used to be in a two e game where this guy would come from rugby. Oh boy! The game, in, usually like in his rugby outfit, and I would look at his legs that have like all these gashes and stuff in him from playing rugby. And I was like, dude, you need to go to the hospital after this. No, 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 no. I'm just playing rugby. Okay. <laughs> mm. Alright, let's wrap this up So I'll say keep it original, keep it old school And good night, everybody I guess I should say goodbye Remember folks, I'm still out there Later folks I think Glenn just threatened the audience The preceding announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions <laughs>